you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, NFL fans, and welcome back to the Locked On NFL podcast. It's Thursday, which means we're back to our off-season outlook series. I'm Jake Lisko, along with Ryan Tracy here to take you through it. Ryan, how's it going today? It's going. I'm uh, I'm pretty pumped at the way that this interesting year has begun. There's a lot of veterans that are getting released. There's going to be a lot to go over, and we're doing that here on Thursday's show. Make sure you guys check out tomorrow's as well as the rest of the week as well, but this is uh, getting off to an interesting start, isn't it? There's a lot of just nebulous uncertainty, <laughs> let's say, coming up for us this NFL offseason. Before we can even talk about the cap, I feel like every week there's something changing with the, the cap projections. And this week, it's increased reporting that the NFL and the NFLPA want to wait for this TV deal to get finalized before they finish and, and land on a cap number, that $180 million, $185, I think teams have an idea. They have a ballpark. They probably have a plan A and a plan B, but we don't know which plan those teams are going to have to follow yet. No, we don't. We don't have any clue. And I think that's honestly, you're right, why they're waiting. And when I talk to people around the league, you know, there's there's the agent perspective, which I get quite a bit of. And there's a lot of optimism there because there's a lot of theorizing about what that TV deal could do in terms of upfront money to try and offset what some of the setbacks are going to be. There's a lot of different opinions on could it really fall that far? Could it actually be higher than the 185 even that some people are hoping for? And I guess the structure of that deal is the biggest question mark, whether the league wants to to try and push for that uh, with its uh, partners is really the question that I don't think you can get away from. And that's why the wait and see is probably the best way to approach it all. I see it from both perspectives, right? The The players certainly aren't going to agree to a low number unless they absolutely have to, because the CBA does bind them to some degree. They are restricted by the amount of revenue that the league has coming in. That being said, if you look historically from a, from an NFLPA perspective, the revenue sharing that the NFL splits with all 32 teams is more than enough to cover operating expenses and salaries on an annual basis. So teams are still going to be cash flush, but the way we see them spend this season, if you have less money, generally speaking, you spend less money. Even if there's enough money in the banana stand, it'll be very interesting to see. And this is a point that I think Robert Mays made this week as well how teams adapt their spending to just having less money, which teams are really going to go for it and which teams are going to use this year and this reduced revenue stream as an opportunity to kind of reset things. Well, and it does provide that opportunity, right? A guy that maybe you were going to try to ride out the last two years of a contract, or maybe somebody that, you know, you, you oversigned at the time knowing that there was going to be an out at some point. You're going to take advantage of that so that you can remove that stress on your bottom line. And I think the interesting part is going to be that there's going to be, I think, more players that are able to be released and still be amicable to coming back on a new deal that is less prohibitive in terms of the structure and what it does for your bottom line numbers. We're going to see a lot of cash 
front-loaded deals that are cap back-loaded, that'll be a really interesting juxtaposition because in order to prorate those cap hits and get them later into contracts so that you can push those cap hits out for all these teams that we've talked about the last couple of weeks that are deep in the red or have $5 million of cap space, that requires you to front-load the cash. So there's this, there's this interesting... You have to pay a lot of the money up front when you might not have a lot of money liquid. You might not have a lot of cash on hand, but if they want to get those deals done and they want to bring those players in and try to keep pushing, try to keep a competitive team on the field, they need to pony up the money to offset that cap hit. It It's an incredible exercise, and I think every team goes about it a little bit differently. Some have dedicated cap experts that are really responsible for that some gms just kind of fly around and do what they want to do i think everybody's got their own process but i think everybody is going to be using 10 fingers and 10 toes to plug all the holes that they have in their boat and not only are the nfl teams going to be breaking out their abacuses abacusai i'm not sure they're also getting a late start on a lot of these negotiations at least according to what one agent told michael lombardo over at fansided Without the combine this year, where a lot of, I'll call it back-channel dealing, pre-tampering window dealing is happening, according to this agent. He said they usually be knee-deep in negotiations by now, but this time they're only setting up future meetings for their big-name clients. And I think that's going to be another interesting trend to watch in free agency, right? You're going to see these big-dollar guys. I think they're still going to get paid, and I think they're still going to work it out for the Trent Williamses of the world. But mm-hmm. when you get to the tier two, tier three, wave four of free agency, those guys, I think, are in no man's land more than a typical NFL year. I would not argue in any way. Um, the whole tampering period, I think, is nice window dressing for the public. Um, but we all know that those deals are done by the time the combine comes around. It's the central hub of setting groundwork of setting structure so that you can come in when you're allowed and actually sign the deal. That's why these things happen. That's why there is a frenzy. So I agree with you. It's those guys that are stuck as the second tiers. The, if we don't get our plan, a we're going to go here. They're just going to end up waiting. And I know that that's stressful, but I think it is the best thing for them as well, because taking a look at what you want to do with maybe a one-year contract or what team's going to have what cap space and how much time you're going to get because of that, I think it's just best to wait it all out and see what comes when the decision does come down. Um, I, for one, am going to miss the combine, though. I don't know how you feel. I'm looking forward to the Exos event, for sure, the mm-hmm. little private regional thing that they're doing. It's all, We're going to miss a lot of those freak athletes that are from small schools that, you know, we'll catch it from their pro days or what have you. But I, I am glad that there's at least going to be something. But I've heard from some people around the NFL that there are concerns about the consistency of these numbers. So it'll be really interesting to see, not that we'll necessarily get much insight on this, but maybe we get some, how NFL teams use these athletic testing numbers without the consistent environment that they get where everyone's on the exact same playing field in Indianapolis from from pro days to these private combines. It'll be a little bit different this year. I'm expecting a lot of guys, I'm expecting the the averages to be better than normal in these environments without the 32 interviews every night. So it'll be fun to watch how the pre-draft process goes. We have plenty of time to get there. Before we get there, we still got to go through a free agency and salary cap preview for two more sets of divisions. And coming up next, we're going West. 
While we talk about the NFL's Western divisions today, many of our listeners, we know you live in the heartland of the United States and you're dealing with a lot of snow on the ground. It's just how winter goes. And in some places, it's not how winter usually goes. And in the winter, you tend to have to deal with a few more car issues than you do in some of the other seasons of the year. Luckily for you, Rock Auto has every single part you could possibly need for your car or truck. And the best thing about Rock Auto for me personally is that they charge the same prices for me as a do-it-yourselfer that they do to professionals when they go in and buy things. So you don't have to go down to whatever the chain is in your area and deal with getting upcharged, deal with a clerk having to look up your vehicle to do the same thing you're going to do at home anyway to look up the part that you need. Rock Auto does it all for you and it's incredibly easy. Go over to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck and make sure you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com while precipitation in the form of snowflakes is crazy in texas i hope you guys are all doing okay down there precipitation in the form of fog is not unusual in san francisco and there's a little bit of fog going on about what they have to do going forward as they move on towards 2021 luckily they're in a pretty good spot in terms of the rest of the division with 13 million cap space right now it leaves you the maneuvering room that i think that they really need for me, the first place that you got to start is their edge rushers. It, it seems like there's a lot of money invested there. I'm not sure they're getting the production that they want. I think that that's a, a good spot for them to look to try to move some things around. How do you feel about that? It's interesting that you start with the edge rushers. Certainly, compared to the rest of the NFL, a place where they're spending a ton of money. We've got them at about $44.5 million in cap commitments in 2021 compared to a league average of $19 million. For me, though, I'm drawn to the quarterback, and and maybe this is my bias of it being a passing league. Jimmy G is is not it. I mean, I don't think. I think that with, with Kyle Shanahan, there's a lot of quarterbacks that can be good enough, but there is $23.5 million in cap space that the 49ers can save if they say, you know what, Jimmy G, you're not it. We're going to find a quarterback some way or another that's going to provide us better value. And I don't know where San Francisco is on this. This is pure speculation. But when I look at that cap number and I think about the quarterbacks that you should pay in the NFL, you should commit to in the NFL, I'm not sure Jimmy G is quite on that list for me. I'm not sure he's on that list for me either. So there are definitely some people that they could be trying to work into the trade situations. We've talked about them all week. Uh, on this show everybody has Uh, we talked about a couple last week as well it's funny because I drift towards the defense to begin with that's just my natural inkling and I would make the argument that especially D Ford is a guy that is in the same situation on the defensive side of the ball in having that cap space that's available for what production I think is falling down that you can go out and either get younger in the draft or get a second tier replacement player that actually get on the field so the nice thing about that is between what is that uh, 38 million we're talking about them being able to create in space in the blink of an eye. When you're talking about the quarterback, that certainly clears some things up. It also allows you to shift what you're doing. And I know that there are some other free agents that they're going to need to deal with, whether it's a tackle in Williams. Um, I, it's hard for me to imagine this offense without Kyle Juszczyk. I mean, is that a signature piece for Shanahan? I was putting together this list of, of the big San Francisco free agents. 
I'm like, yeah, alphabet soup. That's got to be one of them. He he does a lot for that team just in terms of, of blocking and as a receiver for a fullback. If you were going to have a fullback on your team, it's kind of what you want. Which you should. Everyone you, you should. should. <laughs> you should want a fullback on your team, according to Ryan Tracy, guys. <laughs> it is a theme for me. If you haven't heard my other show, it's a recurring theme. I find a way to squeak that in every chance I get. I got I got a lot of love in my heart for Lorenzo Neal from my childhood football days, but I'm, my my personal understanding of football has come to the point where that's a roster spot, man. That's an active roster spot you're using on a fullback at that point for like eight plays a game, unless you're Kyle Ustrek, who they get a lot out of for a fullback. Absolutely, and that's a very good point. Is it's not last century's fullback anymore. But it is something that I am waiting for the pendulum to swing back on as we see teams start to play deeper coverages and start to try to defend that pass-happy league. There is room for them, whether it's you know running more out of an H-back. We're not talking about you know deep I-back sets or things like that. But it is a secondary position that I think you can actually get some new tweaks into some new offenses. But tweaking is exactly what a number of teams have to do, and the Seahawks are not out of that running. And a lot has been going on with the quarterback, which is a surprise to me, but it is a position on that roster that is eating up a ton of that cap space. I don't see anything changing in that situation. Do you? Absolutely not. I think if you're the Seattle Seahawks, you're looking at one of the best five quarterbacks in the NFL. It's a very different situation than we just talked about in San Francisco, where they need to figure out what direction they want to go at quarterback. They maybe need to rebuild a secondary. At least they have a coaching staff you can trust in San Francisco, right? Meanwhile, Russell Wilson doesn't trust his coaches. And so there's a relationship to repair there, but they're very tight to the cap, about $5 million, still a very good team, a really solid core. Most of that built around Russell Wilson on the offensive side of the ball now, not like their Super Bowl winning iterants, which which were defense heavy, obviously also with Russell Wilson. But at this point, if you're the Seahawks, I am looking to try to shore up that defense, find a pass rush, Right, I, I don't feel like they're getting really any anything out of their pass rush. They traded for Carlos Dunlap last year. They got him really cheap. It was a good move at the time. But now that we're in the offseason, I look at that deal and they can get out of that without a dead cap hit because he's acquired by a trade. So they could save $14 million if they think they can take that money and get better pass rush with $14 million. And hey, Carlos Dunlap was a really good player for a really long time in Cincinnati. Didn't quite play up to those standards in Cincinnati or in Seattle this year. And so I think that's a real decision that they have to think about. Yeah, and it's not the only one either because as the evolution of that defense goes, I mean, K.J. Wright is still a guy that's playing for them, Mm -hmm. what, up at 32 years old now, and nothing against him, but that has to be adapted or at least made up for in other ways. And one thing that's kind of hanging out there, you make this acquisition of Jamal Adams, and there's an extension that's there to be had if you choose to do that. I think that also is something that's got to be a high priority so that you can then not only maneuver the cap, but maneuver other pieces to augment what you already have in Seattle. Yeah, there's a decision to be made about the value of Jamal Adams. This is a very divisive topic, I think, (laughs) amongst the nerds, amongst the data guys out there, because, you know, he's generally speaking a box safety. He doesn't have the versatility of a Derwin James, for example, right? He's a different kind of safety, but he's really good at what he does. And he does have a lot of value in that regard. That being said, if they do choose to extend him, he's a younger player and they can save in the 2021 cap by extending him, as you point out. And with only having $5 million in cap space and really needing to put together a secondary with 
Quentin Dunbar, Shaq Griffin, both free agents. And K.J. Wright does a lot for them in coverage. You also have Chris Carson. They have to decide if they're going to go in on a running back again. There's some decisions to be made, and, and they need more money to do so. Not a whole lot of options, though, to create that space in Seattle. But at least they have some. When you look at the Rams, by comparison, to move on to our next team in the NFC West, their only options to get back to zero, they're, they're currently negative $22 million against the cap. I think that's roughly what the number is after the Matt Stafford trade, taking the golf deb money and the Stafford and, and mixing it all into the pot. I think that's roughly what it is right now. They can restructure some contracts to free up some money. They can move on from Rob Havestein if they want to, if they think they're ready. Joe Noteboom stepped in for Andrew Whitworth last year. Whitworth, the ageless wonder of Los Angeles at this point, still going strong at tackle. So if they think that Noteboom's ready to step in, well, he can go play right tackle for you. And and then they can save $6.5 million there. But they still have some work to do, right? You've still got a, a very good performance on the offensive side of the ball last year. You still have Aaron Donald. There's a good core there, but you're losing one of your best defensive players because I have a really hard time seeing them fitting John Johnson, one of the best safeties in the NFL, back into their cap in 2021. Some work to do to help Aaron Donald, to help Sean McVay, to help Matt Stafford if they want to get back to the level they were a few years ago. And if I'm right now, and if all of you, Matt Stafford's family, wherever you are, don't panic, because I know that hurt when we're talking about coming to Los Angeles and then ripping up the offensive line. It's going to be difficult, but I think, all those moves in general have to float back towards giving Matt Stafford what he hasn't had in his career, a stable offensive line that he can throw from. And I think he does have the upside to help that come through. Upside is a big question, not only with that particular situation, but what has to go on in Arizona as well. They have to take the next step forward and give the young quarterback more help, give him a little bit more on defense as well. We've seen some ups and downs on that side of the ball, but there are a lot of players there. One in particular that stands out to me, the Pat Peterson decision, I think, is kind of making itself at this point in his career. But Hassan Reddick, an explosion this year that actually was production from him, it's difficult to see them being able to, to fork out the money to bring him back. But then again, it is a guy who has been floating back and forth between positions. Do you think that he lands back in Arizona? That's a really interesting question. I think it's a guy they have to look at because if he's gone, I, I think they would kind of need to put together a plan on the defensive line where – one of their moves they can look at if they decide they want to save some money is, you know, you look at the Chandler Jones contract and you decide, am I getting $15.5 million of cap value out of him on the defensive line in, in terms of pass rush? And if I'm getting that out of, out of Hassan Reddick, who finished the season incredibly strong and, and certainly made himself some money, maybe I can save a little money, try to bring Reddick back, try to move on from Chandler Jones, and then use that money elsewhere because you talk about building around a young quarterback. You have this rookie deal, right? You got to get some help for DeAndre Hopkins. Christian Kirk, fine wide receiver three. Larry Fitzgerald, I assume, is not going to be back in Arizona. But I guess if he's not retiring, he did want to go wire to wire with one team. We'll see what happens there. Can you go get a dynamic tight end to help the young quarterback, the young Kyler Murray out? I don't know. I think that... They do need to allocate some funds and some weapons on this team. They did a great job getting Nuke to start it, but he needs some help. Well, and the question is, is there? there's one dynamic tight end in this draft that I'm aware of. We'll see if there's a second one. But I think the wide receiver class is just as deep as it was last season, and augmenting Nuke has got to be their focus there. 
But that's not just the case in Arizona. It's also the case with a number of teams in the AFC West. We're going to talk about them next. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are going to be back in full swing. And Bet Online even covers award shows, reality TV, all kinds of stuff. Real time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. The promo code's locked on for Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. We're still on the West Coast, Ryan, but the AFC West isn't actually all West Coast teams. I'm not sure how the Chiefs snuck into this division. We'll talk about the Chiefs in just a minute, but we're going to start with the Denver Broncos, who actually, as I was looking at this, I really like the Broncos roster more than a lot of the teams we've talked about. And the reason that I'm not so high on their future is they don't have a quarterback and and they might have kind of got themselves into QB purgatory a little bit. They do have some significant free agents this offseason. Justin Simmons, who has meshed perfectly with Vic Fangio's defense in Denver, the most notable. Shelby Harris just had a career year for them on the interior of that defensive line. Those are a couple guys that Justin Simmons in particular, they will want to bring back. They do have the money to do so, though, with $32 million of cap room. They just need to figure out quarterback. They do, and they've they've announced themselves as one of the teams interested in Deshaun Watson, which signals that maybe they have reached the end of their rope with Drew Locke, who I think still has potential. But clearly, the staff that Fangio has put together, um, with Shermer running the show, I, I'm not sure if it's a developmental quarterback-friendly area. So maybe going and get that veteran is the way that they have to go. And that $32 million is going to come in handy because they've already let go of A.J. Bowie. It uh, looks like Kareem Jackson is likely casualty as well. Then you have the question of Von Miller, who's also over 30, uh, 32, going to be 33 by the season. There are a lot of holes to fill. But for me, you mentioned it. The linchpin is Justin Simmons. That keeps the defensive side so that whatever quarterback does play for you can get some momentum down the field without feeling like he has to put up 35 points every game. There's a lot to like in terms of the wide receivers they just brought in with Jerry Judy. They've got young Noah Fant at tight end. They've got a solid offensive line after Garrett Bowles finally took that step and looks the part of a franchise tackle at this point for them. You're right. They have some decisions to make on defense with some of those veterans. Jarrell Casey hasn't played a ton for them. He's been dealing with injuries. $12 million they could save if they decide he's not part of their future plans. Von Miller also dealt with injuries, has been the face of that defense for his entire tenure in Denver, it feels like. But if they're done with him, and I think there's a chance that they might look to move on, massive cap savings here that they could rededicate elsewhere on this roster. So a really promising core to build from in Denver. And I think they have that in common with the Los Angeles Chargers. It's just the biggest question for the Chargers well, this is going to be a cheap shot, I think, is can they get fans into the stadium when the COVID restrictions are lifted? But besides that, I'm sorry, Chargers fans, that was probably a little bit mean. It's <laughs> offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. It is. And I think you could just hire one of those planes that circles around and say, brand new stadium on sale today. Like no one's been in it. Come on in. It, you're absolutely right about what they have to do. And I think it, it revolves around what is a solid defense, and they're going to lose a couple of pieces there, I'm sure. But I think that that is one of the better defenses, again, 
as they've gone through on paper, right? You have to give everything you can to Justin Herbert, who I think surprised many, not me. He was the number two quarterback on my draft board last year, but I think he even caught his team by surprise and he does need some additional help. Maybe another tight end. Certainly the protection has to be there. It's almost a one note thing, but you also have to put into the organization. They have some things to uh, try to overcome yet again, and that is the injury bug. I, I'm looking for them to try to retool a little bit in their training department to try and get ahead of that curve because if this team's healthy, they will push for the title. The title? Which title? The AFC West title? The only one that matters, the AFC West title. Of course, the only one that matters, the AFC West title. They do have some decisions to make. Are they going to choose to extend Mike Williams? That'll free up some cap space. He was pretty good with Justin Herbert, downfield weapon, when he was on the field, they have to decide if they're going to try to bring back Hunter Henry. They have to decide if they want to give Melvin Ingram another contract. I have a hard time seeing that last one, actually. Yeah. But I, I think that if they dedicate resources to this offensive line, Justin Herbert was great under pressure in 2020. PFF loves to talk about how the, how unstable that is. When, when they say, we still think Joe Burrow is going to be the best quarterback out of this draft class, they say that and, and fans lose their minds because Justin Herbert just won rookie of the year and just did all these really impressive things. And they say it's always because Herbert wasn't very good when he was clean. He was really good under pressure. You can't rely on that year after year. So you fix the offensive line. You make his life easier. You look for that to stabilize and crystallize as the game slows down for him as he ages up in the NFL. A team that doesn't have to worry about their quarterback at all, though, does have to worry about the cap, unlike the Chargers at least not to the degree the Chargers are, are in cap luxury by comparison, is the Kansas City Chiefs coming off a tough Super Bowl. They've got the quarterback. They do have some things that I think they probably want to improve. But to me, this is how do we get back to good territory with regards to the salary cap? And where can we identify some inefficiencies that we can get some, some ring chasers maybe with something left in the tank to come and help this team? Yeah, the cap is is a struggle. There's a number of things that they can do, and the way that they structure contracts allows them to move some money around. So there are at least two extensions for Hill and Tyron Matthew that are out there in the taking. There's a number of restructures with Mahomes himself, with Chris Jones, with Frank Clark, that particularly if you're trying to add a, a ring chaser, I like the way that you put that on the defensive side, where you might be able to get some squeeze there. I think there's room to maneuver. They'll get under the cap. It's whether those additions are going to come there. It is about the youth on the offensive line. And luckily, I think they're going to go really young across the board, and that's going to help them with their cap number as well. They had the longest way to go here in this division, but the Raiders are right behind them. And they've got some money tied up in car that I know that the quarterback is always at the forefront of everybody's mind. I, I just have trouble seeing them actually pulling the trigger and moving on from him. I mean, if they get a Deshaun Watson, sure. But I, I think that's the only quarterback you're, you're, that's available that we know of right now that you're moving on from Derek Carr for. I, I don't think that you're giving up on Carr for Wentz. Carr was pretty good last year. I, I mean, he, he's, a, he's a bit of a punching bag, honestly, for, for how he's played. He hasn't really earned, in my eyes, quite the level of criticism that he takes, but... To me, this is a team that John Gruden has figured out how to get the offense working. At least, I think it's working well enough. They're getting production out of guys like Nelson Aguilar, who had a bit of a renaissance season in Las Vegas, not Oakland. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get that right one day. It's going to ingrain itself in my mind. And he was a really good vertical threat for the Raiders. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll be back 
for Las Vegas. But I think the the priority there has got to be they fielded maybe the worst defense in the NFL last year. I mean, arguably. And they've got holes all over the place over there. They've got a new defensive coordinator and Gus Bradley keeping it in the division. And I, I imagine that he's going to want to overhaul things, but they've got to get back to zero on the cap. They're 19 million over the cap right now. This is a challenge all the way around because I think when you look at what they've spent in draft capital in the edge rushers, in Abrams, it's a challenge for Gus to kind of mold everybody to a new system. I'm not sure how that's going to go. I'll be, that's one of the things I'll be watching the most. But I think this offseason comes down for this organization to Mike Mayock and John Gruden working together. A lot of admissions that maybe they're not on the same page or haven't been in the past. And this is your opportunity, not only because you have to make decisions to get under the cap, but you can retool on the offensive side if you feel you need to. And all the way around, this, I think, is is a strategically important year for this organization between the two of those guys at the head of the class in Mayock and Gruden. If they can't put it together, this is going to be another start hot and fall apart kind of season for them. Yeah, I think that you're probably on to something there. This is a team in a very competitive division now that Justin Herbert has arrived sooner than schedule. You've got a really solid roster, as we talked about out in Denver, where if they if they do get in on Deshaun Watson, man, can you imagine this division with those quarterbacks? I mean, Derek Carr would suddenly be by far the worst quarterback if Justin Herbert maintains his trajectory with, with Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. I mean, you're Absolutely. talking about some real fireworks there. And the youth, that's the thing. It'll be the second youngest division as a, as a par for what the quarterbacks are. And I think um, while as much as that might be fun to watch, I'm not sure if they can pull it off. There's a, there's a lot into this Deshaun Watson thing. I'm not sure that he moves. We'll probably have to talk about that next week, though. Deshaun Watson watch. We're just waiting for something to happen. I mean, Deshaun Watson, <laughs> Carson Wentz, some of these dominoes, you know, they're going to fall at some point. But when will that point be? As soon as we have news to tell you, make sure you tune into the Locked On NFL podcast where our weekly array of hosts will keep you up to date. Tomorrow, it's Chris and Q. Ryan and I will be back next Thursday to get into the Eastern Divisions and continue our off-season series on roster building as these teams get ready to go through it themselves. We'll talk to you next Thursday. And until then, have a good one.